thanks for having me. Uh, thank you also for supporting us um, uh, so faithfully, and yeah, we're just really thankful that yeah we can partner and uh, in the gospel. Well, as I reminded you just now, and I, or when I came to visit last time as well, uh, I am on mission with you at Newcastle, not just for you. Uh, what I mean is that we're all on mission uh, to tell people about Jesus, aren't we? Because we're all comfort, uh, commanded by Jesus, in fact, uh, to make disciples. Uh, we see this in Matthew twenty-eight eighteen to 20, where Jesus tells his di- disciples, and that includes us, after he was resurrected, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age so uh, quite clearly making disciples and teaching people about what Jesus commanded is all of our business um, and it's a few things to notice about this passage Jesus doesn't say oh if you, if you feel like it, uh, make some disciples, and when I come back, it, that'd be great. And he doesn't say, uh, some of you make disciples, but the rest of you, you can, you can have a break until I come back. He doesn't say that. And also, something else to notice is he says, all authority in, on earth has been, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So basically what he's saying is, as long as I sit as king, which is forever, by the way, uh, you're going to have to tell people about Jesus. Well, as I say this, it might be quite daunting, this task, and it is. Uh, it's not easy to tell people about Jesus. It's not like baking a cake. You know, you follow the steps. You don't have to have any emotions. And, and by the end of it, uh, hey, presto, there's a cake. Uh, so what I, what I mean is when I think about telling about people about Jesus, yeah, I realize it's hard work. Uh, it's awkward, it's hard. Uh, I, we need help with this, don't we? But thankfully, we, we do have help. Uh, so to help us to be on mission together, uh, like Jesus told us to be, uh, today I'm going to share with you a couple of Bible passages that motivate me uh, to be on mission at Newcastle Uni, uh, so that you can be uh, on mission here too, um, as we tell people about Je- you tell people about Jesus here on the Central Coast. Well, it's really important to have these passages, and that's what the Word is for. It helps keep us motivated. It's super important to remember what it says, because uh, like everyone else, uh, me personally, and I'm sure you're like this too, I don't wake up in the morning thinking, oh, who can I evangelize today? Uh, if only this were so. Uh, some of you might feel like this, and I sp- suspect uh, you know, a lot of us feel like that. Uh, my hope is by uh, sharing uh, parts of the Bible that motivate me to be on mission, well, yeah, you'll be on mission too. Well, like I said before, yes, it's hard work. Yes, it's uncomfortable. Uh, but by the end of uh, my talk or what we look at in the Word today, hopefully you'll be convinced too uh, that it's so worth it. It's hard, like many things, like, like the gym perhaps, um, but it's worth it. That's why we do it. That's why we'll put ourselves out there. Well, the gist of what I'm going to share with you today, uh, it's actually all about uh, the period of time we live in history. What period do we live in in history? Uh, Because if we understand our situation correctly, then that'll formulate uh, the right way of thinking 
and then the right way of acting and the right things uh, that we'll do in light of the circumstances. So let me tell you about our two situations. Uh, one situation uh, where it was right to be relaxed. So the first situation, a few months ago, uh, I went to Bunnings and I bought one of those electric uh, motors for your uh, garage doors uh, from Bunnings. You know, one of those you install yourself. Amazing what you can buy at Bunnings these days and also amazing what they let amateurs like me do to garage doors. Uh, all the problem with uh, that was I bought it and it sat in my garage uh, for about a month before I actually installed the thing. Uh, I was busy and, uh, you know, though it, was, though it was exciting that the garage door might be able to open itself soon and I could be that little bit more lazy, certainly nobody was going to get hurt. Nobody was going to die if I didn't act immediately. But on the other hand, there was another time in my life uh, where I, I was over at a family friend's house. I was only about 10, 8, something like that, for a Christmas party and there was a pool in the backyard and uh, after dinner, um, I mean after lunch, my parents were chatting outdoor with their friends in the outdoor setting and, uh, and they noticed something wasn't right. Uh, there was this uh, frantic uh, yelling out, help, help, help. Um, so uh, I was on the pool by myself and I was drowning uh, and I was flailing about. Uh, well, those are the two situations that I want to show to you. Uh, well, one situation will... Quite clearly, it didn't require dramatic action. Uh, you know, the, if, not, if I didn't install that thing at all, um, no one was going to get hurt. But if someone didn't act very quickly and dramatically in the second situation, well, something really bad could have happened. I might not be here today if uh, my mum didn't help me out of the pool that day. Well, which situation do we find ourselves in today? Which situation do we find ourselves today? So I think there should be a slide with two things. Yeah. Okay, so do we find ourselves in the first one where we don't have to act and it's okay to be relaxed? Or the second situation where uh, we should act quickly? Well, we, it's quite clear we find ourselves in the second situation uh, where something terrible is going to happen uh, to people that we know if we don't do something. The situation uh, that we find ourselves and people in the world is that they need rescuing uh, from the swift and just punishment of God. Uh, both based on our response to him as our creator uh, and also our response to his son who he sent to help us be pardoned for our treason and our rebellion against God who is our king. Well, that's the fundamental problem with the world. Uh, God is the king and the creator, and he's a good one. Um, but we've rejected him. We don't want to treat him like that. We want to be the king. Um, and that's a big problem. Well, the time we live in in history is the time immediately before the time when God comes to judge the earth. In other words, uh, at this current point in history, uh, a lot of people are going to be in big trouble if God returns today. Well, in light of this, uh, how would you answer this question? This is the question we're going to look at today and we're going to try and figure out. Uh, it's this one. What is God doing in our world today? What is God doing in our world today? Well, I, maybe it'd be great to spend just 30 seconds talking to your neighbor, ask them the, that question, try and answer it in a simple sentence. 
uh, what is God doing in our world today? So, yeah, spend 30 seconds talking to the person next to you, and then I'll get some of you to share what you said. Sorry, that wasn't a lot of time, but um, what did people come up with? Um, uh, so, yeah. Would anyone like to share? What's God doing in the world today? He's trying to get our attention. He's trying to get our attention. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, Blake <laughs> Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, and there's fires recently, so yeah, maybe he is getting, trying to get our attention. I'd say so. Yeah, yeah. Um, any other answers that people had that you want to share? Listening to our prayers. Listening to our prayers. Yeah, definitely. We'll learn about that in Revelation, don't we? Uh, yeah, people are coming to Christ in, in other nations, especially. Um, yep. Yeah, healing the sick. Oh. Spot on. Well, that's you've stolen my answer. So, um, uh, yep. So all those things are right, but uh, the thing to remember, and the timely thing to remember in this moment in history as Christians, is that God still wants to save people. God wants to rescue people, and that's what I want to remind you about today from the scriptures. Uh, God wants to rescue people, and He wants people like you and me uh, to help rescue them. Well, people are in need of rescuing, uh, but if we get the nature of what people need rescuing from wrong in our heads, uh, then we won't act appropriately in light of the danger that people face, will we? Well, that's why I thought we'd go to Luke 16, 19 to 31. That's a passage that motivates me to share uh, with people about Jesus. So it's a parable of uh, uh, the rich man and Lazarus that Jesus told. Uh, it's basically... Uh, what, so what basically Jesus is trying to show people here is uh, how horrible hell is. Hell is a horrible place to go, but the problem is people are distracted. Hell is a horrible place to go, but people are distracted by wealth and comfort. Uh, well, one of the places you hear about hell that most strongly and most vividly in the whole Bible uh, is actually here in Luke 16, 19 to 31. Uh, which we heard read out before. And just to get clarity, I'm going to read it out again. Um, so turn over there if you aren't there. Uh, Luke 16, verse 19 to 31. Uh, my version's a tiny bit different, but uh, I'm, I assure you it's the same thing. Uh, no, no, that's right. So I'm going to read it out. Uh, so there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died, 
and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, uh, where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime in, uh, you received good th- your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is, in, he is comforted here and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you is a great chasm has been uh, set in place so that those who want to go from there here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let them warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, uh, they will repent. He said to him, If they don't listen to to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Well, this is a pretty amazing story, isn't it? Alarming, even. Uh, Well, what is Jesus trying to say in this parable? Well, it's helpful to remember that in this part of Luke, Jesus is teaching the Pharisees and his disciples about values. Jesus is teaching about the things we value and comparing them to the things that God values. In the story, Jesus teaches us about uh, the value people place around money. In particular, Jesus hones in on how useless money is in the afterlife. So notice notice the major plot twist that happens in the story. Where is it? Well, it's right there in Luke 16, verse 22, when both of these men die. So despite being ridiculously poor, um, Lazarus, the poor man, is carried by angels angels to Abraham's side uh, to a place of glory, honor, and comfort uh, in the afterlife. So uh, presumably he's with God. But ironically, the rich man is just buried and uh, it's not pomp when he dies and he just goes to Hades. He goes to hell. And the rest of the story, well, it's just about how horrible uh, hell actually is for this rich man and how irreversible his situation is. This man is in absolute agony. It says that he's in torment and it seems like he'll do absolutely anything to get out of the suffering that he's in. In hell. He even does something as ridiculous as asking Abraham to send Lazarus just to wet uh, the very tip of his tongue to bring the, the tiniest bit of relief to his body, uh, which is being absolutely consumed by fire. And despite calling out to Abraham for help, uh, nobody can help this rich man. Nobody. In fact, after realizing nobody can do anything about the suffering he's in, he asks Abraham to send someone to warn his five brothers who are still alive that they might be spared from experiencing the horrible existence that is hell. But unfortunately, Abraham tells him uh, that many people have been already sent to warn people about listening to God 
Moses and the many, many prophets. Uh, and in fact, if people don't listen to them, then no matter who you send or warn people, they still won't listen. And Jesus, interestingly, says, even if someone comes back from the dead, he's hinting at the fact that, yeah, even, if, even when I come back from the dead, some people still won't believe. They still won't listen to God. Well, what does this show us? Well, I actually think this parable is not so much about how to get into heaven. Uh, yes, it does talk about heaven, but it's not really uh, all about that, is it? It's actually about how distracting money is. Money, wealth, and the comforts of life. It reminds us about people here a little bit on the Central Coast, doesn't it? Uh, most people on the Central Coast, well, they think that they either won't go to hell because they're going to heaven, or that it doesn't exist. Or at least, which is more accurate, uh, they're probably too preoccupied looking for pleasures and enjoyment uh, rather than thinking about God and the afterlife. But our passage shows us that as soon as our life here is over, even if we're as rich as Bill Gates uh, or Steve Jobs, it won't matter. If we're distracted by wealth and money and comfort, uh, people will end up in a very horrible place. So after telling you this, oh well, what do we do about it? What should we do? Well, I recommend two courses of action. Uh, the first one is this. First of all, I want you to make sure that you don't get caught up with wealth and the comforts of life. Uh, so caught up with those things that you neglect thinking carefully about where you're going to end up after you die. You and me both. You know, I'm not, I'm not immune to this at all. Uh, it's just too easy to get caught up in society and the things that they scream at us from our TV sets. Be comfortable. Um, but... Don't let that happen. I mean, it's right to be comfortable occasionally, but don't let yourself be so comfortable and so obsessed with it that you forget about thinking about things that are more important. That's the first thing I'd recommend to you. But secondly, uh, I want to recommend that you think about the people around you. Uh, what's the first excuse we make for other people in our head when we think about whether they know Jesus or not? Well, it's things like this. Oh, this person's too busy. Oh, this person's too distracted. Oh, they're not interested. Uh, you know, it's, it'd be awkward. Well, this story tells us something, doesn't it? It tells us that it's those people particularly who need to hear about Jesus. Who need to hear about how horrible hell's going to be. Because while they might not care about it, even the slightest right now, they couldn't care less. But as soon as they die, they're going to hate the fact that they're in hell and suffering. And to push it even further, they're going to think, if they knew that you knew and you didn't tell them, I don't think they'll be very happy with you. You wouldn't be happy with, very, you wouldn't be happy with them if you were in their position. Don't let people go through that. How, how would you like being trapped in hell, trying to figure out a way to get out? Trying desperately to figure out a way for the people you care about, your children, your friends, your family, for them to be spared from this horrible existence that is hell. The time to tell people about Jesus is now, not later. 
Later might be too late. Hell is a horrible place to go, but people are distracted by wealth and comfort in this life. Help them, help yourself not to be distracted. That's the first thing I thought I'd share with you about why we need to tell people about Jesus today. I always forget this, uh, especially the reality of hell, but it's actually uh, really healthy to think about that now and again, isn't it? I mean, we don't want to think about hell, we don't want to think about death, but um, it's actually uh, sobering and helpful. Uh, no wonder we don't care about Jesus in Australia. We don't think we're going to hell. Of course we wouldn't care. Well, the second thing I thought I'd share with you that encourages me to share Jesus with others uh, is, is this. People can't be saved if they're not told. People can't be saved. It's impossible if they're not told. We're reminded about this in uh, Romans 10, 13 to 15. Uh, let's, so let's go there now. It's on the screen. Uh, and Romans 10, 13 to 15 says this. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one whom they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Well, this passage is a wonderful reminder of what all people need to be saved. What do they need? Well, all people need to hear about Jesus. And if they believe in him, they can be saved. That Jesus is Lord and that God has raised him from the dead after dying for our sins. If we believe that, anyone can be saved. Simple. And if people do believe, the Bible says it's a certainty that we will be saved. However, this passage reminds us not all, not, that not all people uh, have this privilege in our world. Uh, this passage reminds us that not all people uh, have this privilege because uh, there's some people that haven't heard about Jesus in our world. Some people are still in the dark, even people uh, in Wyoming. Nobody has told them about Jesus. So if you put those two things together, uh, if someone is sent to certain people to tell them about Jesus, and then in turn they take that message and preach it to people who need to hear it, then guess what? People can believe it and be saved. This is amazing that a simple message can save people. Look, think about this. If you go to the doctors and you have this serious disease and the cure is just hearing a message and believing it, sign me up for that, doctor. Prescribe me that medicine. It's amazing that something so simple can actually save someone. It's within grass, isn't it, for a lot of people? We can bring it to them. No wonder Paul quotes Isaiah in the end of this passage saying, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Well, Paul and Isaiah, well, they're not really interested in admiring people's feet. Uh, they're simply saying that what a beautiful thing it is and how amazing that just by telling someone about Jesus, that people can be actually saved. Well, in light of the beautiful work that can be done, the work that, of actually saving people, what can we do? Well, we can do our part too, can't we? In fact, if you're a Christian, 
God has called you to this work. God is sending us. We hear about God sending us in passages like we read earlier, Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Jesus has already told you long, long ago, all of us, that he wants what he wants us to do. He wants us to go and tell people about Jesus because this can save people. Well, this is the reality. But there's another side of this reality, and it's a sad one. And we don't like to think about it. Uh, if you don't tell people about Jesus, people can't be saved. It's impossible. People can't be saved if they're not told. It's that simple. Um, but at this point, you might say, look, some people in, uh, in the Middle East, they're having visions of Jesus in their dreams. You don't have to tell everyone. They can have dreams. Um, but you know what? In those situations, people at some point still need to tell them what it is, who it is this Jesus guy is. That's how it works in our world. Uh, so that's why we need to tell people. So we should make it our first priority to tell people about Jesus. What in the world could be more important? Going on holidays? I mean, nothing against holidays. They're great. But it's certainly not the most important thing to do. This is. So now onto the last passage I wanted to share with you. Uh, and it's about, it's about why we should want to tell people about Jesus. What should motivate us to tell people about Jesus? Well, it's important for us to tell people about Jesus because God wants to save people. God actually wants to save people. And to show you this, uh, I'll take you to Ephesians 1, 3 to 5. It's one of my favorites. In fact, it's uh, partially why I'm a Christian. And so Ephesians 1, 3 to 5 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Well, to put it more plainly, in the New, uh, New Living Translation, uh, it, puts it puts verse 5 like this. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing to us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Well, why did God want to save us? Well, it's because he wanted to. He wanted to choose us before the creation of the world, before the world was even made, before we had done anything good or bad, to love us and to make us holy and blameless, to forgive us of our sins completely by sending Jesus to die for them and to adopt us as his own children. His own children. He wanted to adopt us into his own family like a, a little bit like this. A little bit like a couple deciding to have a child. When people decide to have a child, do they think, oh, I'm going to wait and see if they're good looking or they're obedient or their personality suits me and then I'll love them. No. 
Well, I certainly hope not. Anyways, <laughs> uh, when a uh, when a couple decide to have a child, uh, they choose to love him or her, don't they? No matter what they're like when they come out, that might make it hard, but still, we love them. Uh, before the child has done anything good or bad, just like that, God chose to love us, to forgive us of our sins and adopt us as His own children. Uh, well, God doesn't just feel this way about us, does he? He doesn't feel this way just about you. He's got many children. He feels this way about everyone. He wants to save everyone. So by extension, this also means that God wants you to save people. He wants you to save people by telling them about Jesus. He wants you to help them to know Jesus. Well, these are some things I wanted to share with you to help motivate you to keep telling people about Jesus. Uh, because without a continual supply of reasons of why we should do it, well, we wouldn't do it, would we? Well, what are some of those reasons that we should share about Jesus? Well, firstly, we need to remember, hell is a horrible place to go, but people are distracted by their wealth and comfort in life. In fact, people either think that they won't go there because they're going to heaven or it doesn't exist. Well, this is a big problem. This is a big problem because it actually is real. It's not pretend. And people don't want to believe it. Don't want to hear about it, but it's true. That's why we need to tell them. Well, secondly, we need to remember that people can't be saved if they're not told about Jesus. People can't be saved if they're not told about Jesus. And by telling them, the simple, simple job of telling them, they can be saved. And lastly, and most importantly, God wants to save people. And he wants you to help save people. God wants to rescue people. So let's put on our rescue gear and help someone. The time to act is now, before it's too late. Well, I hope that's been encouraging for you. Uh, um, it's, it's a shake-up, but, uh, but I, I only say it because it's worth it. So uh, how about I pray for help? Because we need help as we do these things. And uh, how about I pray for us? Uh, would you join me in prayer? Dear Lord, we thank you so much that you give us so much. Uh, and we're sorry that sometimes uh, the things we have distract us from you. Uh, sorry that uh, at the centre of our world is often ourselves. Uh, but Lord, I pray that you would help us to remember that you are Lord and you want us to save our neighbours. You want us to save our family and our friends. Um, but we don't, we're terrified. We don't know how to do that. But Lord, I pray that you would uh, fill us with your spirit. Uh, you would help us be convicted by your word. Uh, you would motivate us based on reality, the reality of you, the reality of hell. Uh, so Lord, I pray that you would help us as we uh, do this together, help us to encourage one another. Uh, we pray these things in Jesus' name.